This is What Would Your Mother Say? Hi, I'm your host, Susan Morris. Welcome to the show. Here with me in the studio are three Stanford students, Lauren, Boris, and Laura. And on the other side of the table are two moms, Mary Morrison and Jonah Hamilton. Welcome, everybody. We have a full show, a look at jealousy. Are any of us immune from those feelings of jealousy? And how do we deal with them? The panel members give their take on sticky situations, and we answer emails from our listeners. We begin with the lessons we learn or not while in college. Some say that college is the best time of our life, but national statistics suggest that college life is far from ideal. Almost 30% of student of freshmen attending a private four-year college don't return, and less than two-thirds of students who start college will finish with a degree. Well, students, I know that these statistics aren't necessarily true of Stanford University, but I'd like to ask you, Laura, what was the hardest part of adjusting to college? Well, one thing that actually I'm still kind of dealing with as far as adjusting to college is the relationship that I have with my parents and how exactly does that factor in? Because unlike a lot of parents that they're um, always calling their kids and always want checking up and seeing, my parents were just super hands-off. And they just said, you know, you call us. And then I got busy and then we started getting more and more distant. And so it's kind of like, how are you going to establish your relationship with your parents from the point where you start college and then that's, you know, goes into the rest of your life. So I'm working on that. Still a work in progress. You may be working on that for a very long time, Laura. (laughs) Well, I want to go to our guest on the phone with us, uh, Harlan Cohen, author of The Naked Roommate and 107 Other Issues You Might Run Into in College. Harlan also has a nationally syndicated column, Help Me, Harlan. Harlan, do students bring up a similar complaint to what Laura just said about the relationship with her parents, or or is there another big-time concern that they have. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I, I can't be f- certain, but I think Laura's mom wrote to me recently about how she doesn't want to be annoying, and, and she feels like her daughter, you know, she wants her daughter to make the first move uh, so that they're not intrusive. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, parents are going through one of the greatest transitions of their lives as well, and no one really focuses on them. And I think so many parents want to, you know, they want their kids to grow and and they want to be hands-off and they don't want to be annoying. And I think you either have the ones who are super clingy and intrusive, then you have the ones who are super hands-off. But, um, you know, in the book, I talk a little bit about, you know, parents and that relationship with students in one of the tips. And, And I think that it's really healthy to have that conversation ahead of time of, you know, how many times do you expect to call? Because there's this, there's also this element called the fifth wall of technology, um, where you know, so many students uh, wall themselves off from campus uh, emotionally. They stay connected to friends, family, and, and parents. So you know, the, the, the risk is that if you're too clingy, you can emotionally be at home and physically be in college, which can result in you know, not graduating and being miserable and feeling disconnected. Uh, but then you also have uh, that idea that you know, you're disconnected and miserable and don't even have that connection to home. So uh, it's, uh, it, it's a fine balance, but it has to be talked about. Harlan, this is Mary Morrison, and I work in the financial aid office. And we were presented with some statistics that show that you can double the likelihood that a student will complete college if they leave home. If they, oh, if they stay at home and, and commute, they're 50% less likely to graduate. 
Oh, that's a that's a really interesting statistic. I mean, one of the, one of the things I always encourage is for students to you know do everything they can to get on campus. And I've seen it was interesting. I was at an event in Canada, and uh, I've done a, a little bit of work there as well. I travel all over the country doing you know programs, and uh, there were a lot of students who were talking about how their parents said you know they wanted them home early, and they said tonight's a night. You know, I'm going to be out till one or two. And I just thought that was so interesting because uh, that, to me, that's not what college is about. <laughs> well, I'd like to talk uh, specifically about some roommate issues that you bring up in your book, Naked Roommates. I thought it was sort of funny. Are there a lot of, by the way, are there a lot of uh, naked roommates that uh, wander around dorm rooms? I mean, there there are some. Uh, there, there are more than I ever imagined because I never really had a naked roommate in the sense of my roommate lounged nude. Uh, but I found out there are many people who come up to me and they say, I am the naked roommate, which, of course, I always imagine them naked, and I don't mean to. But when people say, I'm the naked roommate, that's all you think is that they're naked. Uh, but it's an issue, and it's just a matter of, you know, what's comfortable for one roommate might not be comfortable for the other. And I have a song, I don't know if you guys know, My Roommate Stew. Uh, you can find it or I can get it for you to play another time. But it's about this guy who moves in and his roommate's a nudist, and he freaks out. And when things surprise us in college, the knee-jerk reaction is to freak out. We usually run and hide or attack. And in this song, the guy runs away, and then he verbally attacks this naked roommate. And the naked roommate then shows him pictures of his family, including uh, Stu's grandpa's wife, which would be his grandma, a funny way of saying grandma. Uh, But it's this idea that he's a nudist, and that's his way of life. And I think when you get two people who have two different lifestyles in the same room, how are they going to interact? And even if it isn't the best situation, and even if it's filled with, with adversity, uh, it's it's still awesome, and it's one of the most amazing things that everybody should experience. I think the more difficult it is, really, ultimately, the better it is. Because well, one day you might get married, and you'll have a difficult roommate, <laughs> and you won't be able to work through it. Okay. Sure. <laughs> well, well, so how did you say, you know, facing adversity is probably like one of the better things, but I actually have an experience with a friend of mine who had such a horrible roommate experience. My friend was actually the naked roommate, like physically. He would, in the middle of the day, strip down and do naked push-ups um, in the middle of the room's <laughs> floor. Because the guy who he was living with was just absolutely like so obsessive, compulsive, just the most difficult person to live with, and they hate each other. Like they, they, they don't talk after freshman year, they went their separate ways. And I can't say that either one of them is the better person for it. The guy who was naked, I feel like, learned that he could do that. And the guy who was bothered by the nakedness just is still bothered by things like that. Well, the first thing we need to do is stop calling ourselves a friend and pretending that it wasn't us. I know with you. A friend. I lived with with three other people (laughs) my freshman year, and we were not naked. I will tell you that. (laughs) Well, simply, I mean, all that is is someone being passive-aggressive and using their nudity for that. And, And the issue is that, you know, students are so afraid to have conversations because they're too afraid that it will be a confrontation. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I, I mentioned in the book, and I think it's a great rule for any situation when things could be uncomfortable, the, the first day you set a precedent, you say, hey, guys, if I do anything that makes you uncomfortable, you need to let me know, even if it's difficult to hear. And the rule is that I need to let you know if there's anything that makes me uncomfortable. So then really, by withholding any information, you are not being a good roommate. It's, it's really setting the stage to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. But too many times students will tell everybody but their roommates, and then one day they'll do naked push-ups, or maybe they'll decide to relieve themselves on someone else's bed. Uh, there'll be something that will be a surprise when really if they had talked about it from the first day, 
uh, the situation could have been avoided. It sounds like you need to ask somebody, are you insane? <laughs> you can't well, live here then. So this is Laura and uh, one of the students. And uh, so I had, uh, I've had a couple of roommates who have just been so incredibly nice that I'll just, you know, I'll say, if there's anything that would ever make you uncomfortable, you just let me know. Mm-hmm. And they've been like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. And then I would ask them, and they look a little uncomfortable in the eyes sometimes. And they're like, no, 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 it's okay. So what is the responsibility of the roommate? Like, like if they ask and they say, no, it's fine, Are you? do you have free license to just go ahead and do it, even though you might perhaps perceive that the other person might be a tad uncomfortable? I mean, I think there are, I mean, I think there are limits. Um, I mean, if you're, if you're just doing it just to push the envelope, you know, just to see how much you can get away with. And I think that's taking advantage of someone who's just a little too nice. Uh, but I think that if that person, if you give them permission to be honest with you, and for whatever reason they really they don't want to share, then it's really not your responsibility to worry about what they're thinking because you've totally given them that right. And if they can't articulate what it is they're thinking and feeling, well, you know what, that's really not your problem. As long as you've made it as comfortable as possible and checked in with them and made it, you know, and made, and made every effort possible. I mean, there are some people who really just don't mind. So I say, you know, do everything you want to do and, and don't worry about it. And I'm, hopefully they'll tell I, this, you. This is Merrigan, one of the mothers. I talked to lots of students. Their, their complaints about their roommates often head toward the personal hygiene category. Um, my either their roommate hasn't washed the sheets in the entire year of the school and it's disgusting, or the person's a complete freak for neatness and is constantly tidying and obsessive. Is is that a category that people have a lot of trouble with? That that whole neat freak thing comes up all the time. And then the messy and sloppy person. But again, it's like it's one of these things where you have to really pick your battles. And I tell his roommates, you know everybody's not going to do everything you want them to do and you have to give them a little room and if you're a neat freak and that person's messy then you have to make sure their mess doesn't get on your side of the room and you can't control who they are and what they do and again it's a great lesson in just having to look the other way you know because in a work environment there's going to be people who have messy desks they might be the most organized people on the planet and for them visually being messy is the way to go and then there are those people who need to be meticulous in everything they do so just by giving them permission to be who they are well someone might be from a different culture a different country uh, they may have different habits and if you have a problem with it then really it's your problem not their problem i think once roommates see that then it becomes a little more tolerable and and truthfully if it's that big a problem get out of your room and make sure that you have a life where that's not all you need to obsess about <laughs> This is uh, Jonah, and I'm one of the moms, and I think one of the big problems that I've, uh, luckily I've never had to encounter it personally, but I've had friends that ended up with roommates that you couldn't trust, and then they'd rip them off. Is there a way of assessing somebody before it gets to the point where they run off with your property? You know, I don't know if they do. Have you guys ever done a uh, police, uh, like a background check on on any of your roommates? (laughs) Have you ever had the screen? I, I never uh, had the suspicion. Yeah, you don't. You don't think of that. No, right. I, I say you know, it's it, it is very difficult. But one of the things you need to do is you get like a, a foot locker, and you lock up your stuff, and you always keep it locked, and you take it out, you put the stuff that's valuable away, and if somebody's stealing, then that's when you get the res life staff involved, and you hope that it doesn't happen, and you you stop it sooner rather than later. But I think there's this attitude of going in, you know, with this sense of being scared. Uh, but you know what? 
most likely it's not going to happen. Most likely your roommate will be a person who you can share space with, and you won't have these problems. I think the, the, the biggest problem is the expectations that students have when they go into that situation. And if you go in there, and if parents, you know, parents are often the problems too. The big year this last year have been that parents have looked at the Facebook profiles and the MySpace profiles, and they said, I don't want you living with that person. <laughs> uh, but, but really, if we all go in with this attitude of, hey, at the baseline, all I'm going to do is share space with someone, and we're just going to respect each other's stuff. That's we, it. Yeah. And if that's my only expectation, that, then... That makes good sense. We have time for one more question. Lauren? Yeah. Hi. I'm a student, and actually along with the theme of expectations, uh, once I was told by an older college student upon coming to school that the number one thing is to not expect that your roommate will be your best friend. Do you agree with that advice? Is that advice you would also give? I think it's. I think that is the most... Perfect. That person is so wise. Keep asking them questions and talk to them because yes, because if you if you if you have that baseline that they're not going to be your best friend, then when they're not your best friend, you're not going to be disappointed. The problem is people have these expectations and they take it so personally. And then that's when all of these issues uh, come to the surface. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And it's also this idea that college you give yourself two years to be uncomfortable. No one ever tells you that. And if you go to a school where it it gets cold. You'll notice the brochures never show you pictures of it snowing. You know, they never show pictures of people too hot. Uh, you know, the real story isn't always the story that's communicated to us. And one of the things that I love doing in that naked roommate is it's really brutally honest. And when you feel depressed, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm just like everyone else. What am I going to do to make this experience something that can be more positive instead of thinking, oh, I'm such a loser uh, in, in all of these situations. Realistic expectations totally set you on the right track. Well, Harlan, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. You've had lots of good tips. I guess the one being, don't, the big one being what you've just said is don't expect your, your roommate to be your best friend. Oh, and anybody can ask me questions at thenakedroommate.com, and I also have the Naked Daily five days a week free uh, email newsletter, and there's a planner and box calendar and a whole naked suite coming out. So I look forward to sharing that, and anytime I can help you guys out, uh, anybody with, with the first name beginning with an L, I'm happy to help you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Harlan Cohen, nationally syndicated advice columnist and author of The Naked Roommate and 107 Other Issues You Might Run Into in College. The book is available online and in your local bookstores. We are offering his book to callers in the next half hour. The number is 650-723-9010. That number again, for those of you who would like a copy of Harlan Cohen's book, 650-723-9010. Coming up, living in close quarters. Sticky issues that come up with roommates and others. I'm Susan Morris. You're listening to What Would Your Mother Say? We will be right back. Hi, I'm your host, Susan Morris. Welcome back to What Would Your Mother Say? If you're just joining us, our two mothers this week are Mary Morrison and Jonah Hamilton. And with us are three Stanford students, Boris, Laura, and Lauren. You gals are going to help the have to help the audience differentiate between Lauren and Laura. I don't know how you're going to do it, but... Self-identification. We'll try. Okay, great. <laughs> and that was Laura. That was Laura. <laughs> All right. Well, we're talking about living in close quarters, a look at issues that we face when living with a roommate or significant other. All right, uh, Laura, I'm going to turn to you as because you're sitting right next to me. Um, tell us if you can about the hardest part of sharing in a roommate significant other situation. 
Well, um, and to, to speak to the roommate issue, I think the most, uh, the hardest part is sharing kind of time in, in some sense. Like, wh- when are you waking up? How much time are you spending in the bathroom? And um, just kind of negotiating the time spent in various places in, in the room. So uh, right now I'm, I'm sharing a one-room double with uh, a, a man, and <laughs> it's interesting. But you would think that privacy would be an issue. It's, it's not. We actually, you know, we have a adjoining bathroom, and we, we're very respectful, but it's like who spends the most time in the bathroom which ends up being me but i need to be respectful of him when he needs to use it and like also waking up times now say that again you and a guy are sharing one room Mm -hmm. two beds are they double twin i mean i mean how much how large is this room it's really large there's some interesting architecture kind of things out in palo alto so it's a, a rather spacious room but you know we get by now why do i think it'd be harder to live with a stranger a guy who you aren't married to than i would uh, another woman or a spouse well i don't know if it is necessarily harder i think that the same tenets that that should run a regular roommate situation still apply no matter the gender of your roommate so as long as you're you know respectful of each other and that you again uh, i think what our guest was saying and just kind of asking you know what is okay mm-hmm. you know well, Boris, is it fair to ask who is more difficult to live with, a friend or a stranger? Um, I, I've i never had to live with strangers except for my freshman year, and we became really good friends really fast. So I, I can't really say I've lived with friends ever since then. Um, I think in some cases it's it's a lot more fun to live with friends, uh, but li- living with strangers can make it easier to s- sort of handle problems that are a lot more difficult to handle with friends, you know, issues of, of time, like Laura was saying, or or issues of sharing food or whatever it is you have to share, you know, those issues are sort of easier to deal with when somebody's a stranger and you can sort of sit down and say, we're going to split, or as opposed to when you're hanging out with friends and you have to tell somebody, hey, man, like you got to stop spending so much time in the bathroom. It's really <laughs> not cool. That's kind of an easy issue to say, yeah, get out of the bathroom, but but there would be other issues that I think would be harder. I'm going to throw out a couple of sticky situations, and moms, I want your reaction to this too. Um, that I think come up uh, more frequently than we actually hear about. Where do you cross the line between privacy and concern if a roommate starts acting weird, either losing weight or sleeping the whole time? This is not your best friend. This is you know someone who you happen to be. Ooh, that is a tough situation. Uh, I would probably just. This is Lauren, by the way. I would probably just bring it up and say. Hey, you know, I've noticed, and don't make a judgment about the change, but just point out that you have observed this new pattern of of uh, behavior, and then see see what they have to say about it. Now, do you feel comfortable with that, uh, or do you feel that it's not your place to get involved in this? Well, I think a lot of times it's it's really it's really easy to say, "Oh, I would totally do this." So, you kind of you you know you see, let's say, some guy maybe like mistreating a girl like oh yeah if i saw that i would totally come up to him and punch him in the face but <laughs> if he's seven foot two 250 pounds and you know is jack like arnold schwarzenegger you're not gonna come out there <laughs> and, and, and do that so i think uh i think you know i'd like to say that if i saw something like that happening 
I would, you know, say something, but it's it's really hard to say that like whether I would be able to or not. But it depends on I guess I'm assuming that this is something that would be serious potentially seriously threatening your roommate. I mean, obviously it would be pretty rude to tell someone, Hey, I've noticed you're sleeping through your stats class every morning at nine AM. Like, how's that going for you? I mean that's <laughs> that's obviously like <laughs> petty yeah. and sort of judgmental. Um, this is Laura and uh, I think that another way to approach it maybe might be through friends. Like, you know, if you're you know, living with someone, you probably know who their friends are. They're probably coming through and you might just kind of step to the side and say, like, can I ask you something? Is, is this normal? And they may blow it off and be like, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so's weight dips all the time. Like, it's nothing to worry about. It's just kind of the way things happen. Or it might be like, oh, yeah, I've kind of noticed that, too. And maybe we, we can work together to try to figure this out. Mm. Well, uh, Andrew Valencia went out on campus this week to get a story about a roommate who did have sort of... Um, bad, strange behavior. Uh, the student uh, telling the story is uh, Shepard Pang, and the reporter who went out to talk to him is uh, Andrew Valencia. I lived in a two-room double in the inner room. My freshman roommate was in the outside room, and he was a compulsive video game addict, which me, which meant that there would be days when I'd come home from school and he'd be playing video games. I'd go to sleep and he'd be playing video games. And when I woke up, he'd be playing video games. I'd leave for school. You get the idea. He was always playing those online multiplayer games. And this turned into, like, he would be eating junk food. And then when he finished, like, his next Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, he just threw it off to the left. Um, he, I've, he started, he didn't, I don't think he showered. Basically, his part, to get to my room, you had to walk through a room that had not been cleaned or maintained or and neither had the resident for a long time so it distanced us because i didn't play the same game as he did it didn't really affect me in a negative way except that when people didn't really come visit me very much is anyone surprised is anyone surprised at the table that very few people went to visit shepherd if they had to go through that the smell must have been pretty raunchy mary well, I, I'm sort of sitting here quietly because I'm sort of puzzled by the conversation. I mean, what if you were concerned about this? Oh, what you mean you, someone you know, playing video or, games? Or, or anything else, you know, mm -hmm. not getting up for their their classes, sleeping till noon every day. I mean, uh, you're an adult and they're an adult, so what are you supposed to do about it? And, you know, I'm not talking about people you see swallowing handfuls of pills you need to call 911. I'm talking about people who just aren't aren't living a normal life. If you're not, they're not your fr best friend, and they're just another. What are you really? What are you supposed to do about it? I don't know. I mean, what I, if I saw my next door neighbor in my neighborhood acting like this? Well, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to intervene, but you could just express concern. I don't know if there's any obligation for anyone. Yeah, that's to... what I wanted to get at. Well, is, is there any to... obligation? I mean, it, the, the thing about college today is that parents have no sense of what's going on. The university isn't allowed to tell their parents if anything is going on. Um, who Who is watching out? And I don't. Well, why think... should people be watching out? I mean, well, because I personally, I think that people should watch out for each other. You know, Susan, I'm a mom. This is Jonah, and. It's disturbing because I have two sons. They love video games. And one of them, you know, you'd have to be a little bit off to let it control your life. This is an addictive behavior. And as a parent, when you, his parents must be disconnected with him. And he probably showed some of this uh, 
this kind of trait before when he was living with his parents and they probably were worried and they probably still are and they're not hearing anything and as a parent I would just you know you hope that somebody around is going to say something you hear these crazy stories of kids that do wild and have bizarre behavior and you go well, why didn't somebody say something uh well that's my point though even if you say something if someone has a destructive behavior you can say all you want mm-hmm. i mean i think it's naive to say well if i told her to eat more she'd stop being bulimic or something well, you know i, I mean that, that's not the way life comes you you don't control other you could people d- that way you could talk to somebody at least talk to somebody that's uh some sort of a counselor or somebody that then could uh, maybe take the edge off that and give you a little information. Now, students, you're getting two opposing views from these two moms. What are you leaning toward as a person in college, maybe even seeing you've seen behavior that did concern you? you. I see your point, Mary, which is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And I think that's definitely true. But I think most students are usually in situations where they're not aware of the tremendous like resources here that we're very fortunate to have at Stanford. Um, as, you know, to help them resolve these issues. Now, I agree with you that some people don't, aren't ready to change and don't want help. And that's, you know, that's a different situation, I, I suppose. I, I see a lot of students who will say, oh, well, I was up to three o'clock in the morning because my roommate was doing this or that, or the other thing. And, and I want to say to them, look, <laughs> you had a paper due at nine o'clock and you spent till three o'clock in the morning because your roommate was doing this other thing and you didn't get out of there and go get your paper done. I mean, I, I it's, it's, it's an, adolescent kind of I'm just going to be kind to this person and listen to them and their problem will be solved because I'll be such a swell friend to this person I mean I think it's a naive uh, thing to do oh like trying to fix everyone's problems exactly I see that Laura what do you think where do you stand on this I wanted to mention that I think that it's a little bit it's a more complicated issue in college because there's a, a bunch of factors that are part of life at college that ends up stressing out students or or things that might impact their well-being more so than if they were out in the real world. And so by virtue of being in that environment, I think that we kind of have an obligation to help each other out because we're so so closely knit in this kind of artificial environment. I don't think that, and she's not saying it's it's her responsibility or your responsibility, but I I think it's you should reach out to someone and, and say, I, and, and I'm not even sure I could do it. You know, Boris, as you were saying earlier, it's one thing to say, oh, I'd rush to their help. And if I were actually confronted with it, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I would like to think well, that I would um, step forward and say, you know, something's not right here. Maybe you should go talk to some someone. Yeah, and recently we've had sort of the reverse problem on campus with a lot of theft recently. And Stanford students are a little too trusting, we often hear. There'll be uh, someone you don't recognize in your house or your dorm, and no one is, everyone's so afraid of being rude, nobody wants to say, hey, are you, excuse me, like, who are you? Who are you looking for? And these are people who are coming here to steal laptops and things, and students are so concerned with being polite and saying the wrong thing that they don't, they just let strangers walk in the door. And it is. I think it is this artificial, close-knit community that sometimes we forget, you know. I think it lets people fall through the cracks. Situation. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, we have to go to our uh, to our break, but I want to have a conclusion to this. Can we have a conclusion of living in close quarters with people? I think we, ha- Mary. What would you say about this subject? Well, I think I'm I'm going to pass because I lived in a commune when I was these young people's age. And I was sitting here all the time trying to think if I should even bring that up. And talk about living with strangers and people with unusual behavior. I've been there, but I'm not going to talk about it today. <laughs> oh, Mary. Can we have a segment on that next week? Yeah. <laughs> Some Mary tell you may our guest. Okay. Well, they're done that. Darn it. Well, there, 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 there was our conclusion. So. Okay. Well, coming up, we're talking about that feeling that all of us have experienced at one time or another, jealousy. First, a short break. I'm Susan Morris, and this is What Would Your Mother Say? This is What Would Your Mother Say? Hi, I'm Susan Morris, your host. Welcome to the show. Our topic, jealousy, that old-time feeling we get when we think that, justifiably or not, our rival is winning. You know, the way I'm saying that, it sounds like you have to be of a certain age before you experience jealousy. But there have been reports that, or it's been observed in infants as young as five or six months that they've been jealous, and which I think is sort of interesting. And here to discuss the subject is my panel of three Stanford students, Laura, Boris, and Lauren, and two moms, Jonah Hamilton and Mary Morrison. Well, first I want to find out I want to someone to tell me, uh, to describe the feeling of jealousy. What does it feel? I mean, you can describe fear, you know, your heart is, is pounding and your hands get sweaty, but what do you, can, do you think you can actually describe how you feel physically when you feel just so jealous? Yeah, I think I, I feel a little warm and maybe feel like a little like adrenaline rush, you know, like when someone says something that makes you like really angry, it's sort of like that for me when I feel jealous. Okay. Laura? Uh, This one time I remember being very, very jealous and I think it was while my boyfriend at the time was serenading another girl. And I just remember feeling somewhat nauseous at the time and then I started crying and like I was like off to the side and like under a blanket and just trying to pretend that nothing was going on. It was just terrible but it was just like, again, that kind of hot feeling and just kind of like, it's it's in your stomach. The nausea I have felt as well. Moms? (laughs) How have you experienced it? The first, this is Jonah, one of the moms. The first thing I thought it was anger, but it's another word comes to mind that might be more descriptive, and it's steamy. (laughs) You just steam because you you look at somebody like this, and go, "How could they replace me?" Somebody is taking your place for. Usually, that's what the jealousy is, right? Over. Somebody well, not take usually. Someone has something that you want and yeah. haven't gotten yet. It's not They're even necessarily there. You're about here. The... Why? Well, it's not jealousy. I think it's envy, which is different. Is envy different than jealousy? Well, though? envy is one of, I think it's one of the seven um, evils. Seven deadly. Oh, oh man. I'm right. guilty and, of envy. And evil, that's for sure. um, envy is right there with, um, you know, jealousy. So, well, what, uh, what if your significant other cheated on you? What would your reaction be? Did you just change the subject? You're still talking about jealousy. I'm still talking about jealousy. <laughs> what, what should we be talking I about? Think, I know. <laughs> the criminal that, side. Of it. Suddenly, suddenly well, we're having people cheating on you. You might not be jealous. Oh, you might cheated. Not. Well, no, but, but, but someone cheating on you is cheating. Going to the word cheating. It's oh, going to generate, uh, I would imagine, jealous feelings. But, Boris, I want to put this aside for a minute because you said something interesting during the break that you've never personally experienced jealousy. And I'm wondering if this is kind of like a male thing. Oh, no, no, no. 
<laughs> Sorry, Boris. But the, the only one represent have to defend, all have men right have to now. Represent all men right now. Yes, yes. Well, I, I think you. I think there's there's sort of two types of jealousies. You guys, like, uh, like what Lauren was talking about in relationship to like people winning or people, some or your competitor being better than you. And I don't think that's jealousy. Like that's a different emotion for me. Like I associate jealousy with sort of like a a girlfriend boyfriend relationship and something in that like like the serenading or something like I, I like that I would associate with jealousy and I just have never felt that I can't may, maybe I'm in denial wait have you never been jealous that someone has I mean like say the rat race mentality someone has a nicer car than you is that envy Did, would you how would you describe that feeling well I think that's envy I don't know I don't yeah I think like f certain physical like possessions yeah. i don't i don't feel like i feel like oh my gosh like i need to have that you know he has a car how come i don't have a car like that so you've never had the situation where you know you're out with your girlfriend at a party and some guy starts hitting on her and she starts kind of chuckling and laughing and just kind of being a little playful oh. like what, what, how does that make you <laughs> She's feel enjoying that it. Never what you say okay, okay, so I, I i can say that in recent memory that hasn't happened but i can I, I will admit to the fact that that would probably would make me pretty unhappy so maybe maybe the word jealous there it does does apply all right well i'm going to put forth a jealousy test that's just that creates a scenario just like that and Boris you can tell I'm us. a very jealous person so I'm sure I'm just going to be off the charts with this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's something okay. I'm trying to work on. Okay well you and your significant other are at a party an attractive stranger goes up to your date and before long they're flirting with each other. How would you react? Number one you would talk to your partner and insist that you leave right away. You would get up and beat the crap out of the stranger. <laughs> I would leave the party without telling my significant other, or I wouldn't pay any attention to them and would go on with my own flirtation. Oh, passive aggressive. Is there an option no, where, no where, option. You don't, where you, where you don't else. do anything about it or, or you go I and join the conversation? I, I, well, I, I left that one out because uh, that's just too easy. But, <laughs> but what would be your inclination? Am I first? Yeah, you are first. Uh, option two was the one talking about beating the crap out yeah. of someone. That sounds great. No, no, <laughs> I would never, no. I think I think that that clearly depends on the situation. If you're there with someone, you've been in a long-term relationship, and this is like an established thing. I don't see. I'm I'm sure that in the end of the night, that person is going back with me. So that's not something that I would be concerned about. If I, it's like a date. Ma male ego. He's male more cool-headed than I am. No, but, but, to you, but if it's like a date two, date three, and this is happening, then you have to sort of reassess the situation. Yeah, you have absolutely. to go mock your territory? Is that <laughs> yeah, you got to go, go like pee in a circle or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Laura. Um, what, what I would do, um, rather than just join the conversation, I would probably go over, sneak into the, the circle that they've created, and like plan a, a kiss on that person. Marking your territory. Yep, definitely. That makes good sense. All right, so I'm going to give you uh, one more. You call your guy to check up on him at a party he went to without you, and it sounds like he's having the time of his life. Meanwhile, you're stuck at home watching old reruns of Golden Girls. You <laughs> tell him that when he's ready to come home, you'll be waiting for him with open arms. You give him a two-minute guilt trip, but tell him that you love him and to have fun. Or threaten him that he better come home immediately or else. You're implying that your significant other, as you put it, 
couldn't have a good time if, unless you were there? <laughs> or they know you don't allow this person to enjoy themselves unless you're also with them? I mean, doesn't that seem a little... Well, it seems totally extreme. Know, but I think sometimes jealousy is totally extreme. I mean, you can you see calling up your boyfriend who's at a party and he it's too noisy and he's laughing with some girl? Oh, yeah. Talk. No, I could see that. <laughs> that crazy. That okay. rationality and jealousy are two entirely separate things that can coexist. Like, you and your mind can be like, you know what? Yes, he can totally he be, be having, having a time. Like, I, I don't resent him at all for having a blast. But then there's well, that part I'm of the you that's like... Library. Hmm. <laughs> That kind of uh, steams, maybe. It <laughs> says, what? Get the hell home as fast well, as I mean, it would be wrong you, you to tell him You would think it would be nice do. if he did, but I mean, I'm not going to be, you know, put any ultimatums on him. Would you get in the car and go try to get to the party? That sounds like fun. Yeah, I was going to say maybe. <laughs> yeah. You know, as, as the years roll by, this gets harder and harder to pull off. You know, you got to keep track of them all the time. Are you having a good time at, at 5 o'clock and I'm doing the laundry? And, you, know, it, it, you know, it's harder to maintain that control over somebody else's movements and find yeah. out where they are. I, you know, I try to, you know, a litmus test when this kind of thing is like, I try to do the, the cool girlfriend rule. Like if, if my, you know, if my significant other was out there and they talked to their friend and then talked about my reaction to that and they're like that's cool dude like you gotta you get a chill girlfriend like that that's kind of where i try to get my behavior to be sounds good well andrew valencia went out on campus and talked to two students about jealousy and here is what he he got i'm uh here at the stanford campus uh, once again talking to some students uh, this time about uh, jealousy and relationships and how they think that factors in and some of the stories they have so let's uh, see what they have to say so it was june i've been at school for a month and i remember my boyfriend at the time and i were out and about just having a you know a regular saturday night date we we're at the mall and it was my best friend's birthday the week later and my best friend was a guy but I ended up spending quite a bit of time trying to find him a good gift just because he and I had gotten really close over the year. He was a really cool guy, and we're still friends now, so we're really, really close. And I remember my boyfriend being very angry that I had spent so much time looking for a gift for my friend. He wasn't jealous of him in a romantic way. It was just he knew it was platonic, but, I mean, he was jealous of my the attention I was paying to somebody else. And that actually was one of the factors that eventually led us to break up a month later. I think jealousy is pretty much one of the toughest situations to be in because... It's something that is very one-sided. You have to talk to yourself and not to anyone else. It's something that's societally kind of unacceptable. It's not like you can go to your friend and say, I'm jealous of you, let's deal with it. So I guess if you're jealous, just ask yourself why and start to deal with it on your own before you start ruining the entire environment around you. Well, it sounds like she's had a lot of experience with jealous feelings. So smart, <laughs> smart. That was a very good yeah, reply. Smart response, I yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I have a question, though. really good psychological uh, student, is, <laughs> psychology is, student. Is there a reason why both of those were, were from women? Oh. Uh, uh, Andrew is a guy, so maybe he <laughs> <laughs> That's he chose to speak that's to. That's right. work and pleasure. Is it, is it something that's associated more with women than it is with men? No, I think men maybe don't. Men get jealous, but they don't. They're not as willing to maybe react to it verbal, verbally. I, I I don't know because occasionally I'll say something and then later just think, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm just being jealous. This is stupid. I should be the cool girlfriend. Or, but I think that I think men get jealous and they just may might not say anything. Maybe it's not macho. Maybe they just put that energy towards some other drive. You know, you know just, and I, I don't I, get jealous I, I at think, all ever. I think people <laughs> are capable. I've been capable of being envious of someone for years at a time. 
you know, Alice always seems to have everything I want. Or Alice is more beautiful than I am. Alice is richer than I am. Mm -hmm. Alice is this or that. It's not just like one night when, you know, my husband winked at somebody or something. It's a, it can be a long-term, really almost poisonous kind of thing, as this last lady pointed out. Huh. Well, yeah. does, do certain people generate jealousy? They talk too much about their accomplishments or they're just a little too flip about things that you really would like to have and they're sort of casual about them? What do you think? I don't think they bring it on them. As the, as the caller said, it's a feeling you have inside yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, and I can't go to Alice and say, I wish you were less attractive and less successful. And <laughs> work on that. We're going to work on You know, you're making me feel bad, Alice. Just drop it. You know, yeah. right, right, I, exactly. it's not going to work. At least after you're 14, it doesn't work. <laughs> well, here's a sticky situation. And this is away from the romantic situation. Your friend has just landed a great job with an A-listed company. She's very excited, but enough already. Can you tell her to quit the topic? She's never that curious about good things in your life. Ooh, that is a sticky situation. Yeah, what do you do? You want to be happy for your friend, but there must, you know, if you're out looking for a job and you're not getting callbacks. Um, so uh, this is Laura, and I actually kind of had a situation that was a little bit similar to this back in high school, which was where um, a friend of mine, uh, or at the time I called her a friend, would always go on and on about all her accomplishments and would never ask me about mine. And actually when I, I she, she might maybe offhand mention something or I felt like the need to, to broadcast my own accomplishments because she was so busy like talking about hers, I wanted to provide some parallelism or something. She would downplay my accomplishments. And after a while, it just got so, it wore on me so much, I couldn't really call her a friend. Hmm. So you so you felt comfortable with just not calling her or doing things with her anymore? Yeah. Yeah. So, I didn't need that. Oh, this is uh, Jonah, the mom again. I'm just wondering, Laura, what, what, what would happen if you would have asked her for advice? Are they hiring? How can I get to be like you? What do you oh, think would have happened? Oh, it's like play into that personality, yeah. sort of. Oh, gosh. I don't even know. Is that how we're supposed to network? <laughs> is that why <laughs> I don't have a job? That might be what works with some people. Some people might thrive on that. that. No, it's time. true. It's true. Some people do love to be asked for for advice. But to... Mary, I, let's go back to what the young woman said the last cut of tape though about how it really can make you sick. Yeah. Uh, what are some other ways of dealing with this uh, other than saying I'm I'm not going to be jealous of this person? I mean what what do you do? They're very powerful feelings. I mean and and you said it, that it has nothing to do with being rational. Yeah. What well, has to do with your your self-esteem, your own self-esteem. You know, you have to do something to make you realize that you're better than at X, you know, at Y or Z or something. Uh, I mentioned the name Alice because Alice was the girl I spent my high school being live, being jealous of for virtually the whole time. And she was the star. And actually, uh, I don't mean to be modeling, but Alice was uh, killed in an automobile accident when she was about 40 years old oh. on the way to her parents' 50th wedding anniversary party. And that taught me a lesson for the rest of my life. Because I spent all this time being envious of Alice. I wanted to live Alice's life, and she had a handsome husband and beautiful children, and I learned a big lesson. Yep, mm. just goes by the wayside. Well, that's our conclusion on jealousy. <laughs> We're going to take a short break, and coming up are emails from our listeners. I'm Susan Morris, and you're listening to What Would Your Mother Say? We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Studio A at KZSU, Stanford University. You're listening to What Would Your Mother Say? I'm your host, Susan Morris, and here with me are two moms, Mary Morrison and uh, Jonah Hamilton, and three Stanford students, Lauren, Boris, and Laura. If you're just tuning in, this is when the panel turns into Ann Landers and offers advice to our listeners, or at least our comments. Our topic is relationships. All right, well, the first email is from Nancy. I recently went on a date with a guy I kind of like, and we ended up meeting with one of my friends from high school. Late in the evening, my old friend pulled out a bag of cocaine and offered it to the guy I'm dating. They did a line together. Well, I felt extremely uncomfortable, but my friend said that almost everybody does cocaine these days. They just don't talk about it. I'm trying to decide whether or not to say something to both of them. What does your panel think? Boris? Whoa. Cocaine. Uh, well, not everyone does cocaine, I don't think. Laura, do you do cocaine? Didn't we do a couple lines together off the... the, the <laughs> We're trying to be a good panel here. <laughs> We're not supposed to talk about Let's it. talk oh, about oh, stuff sorry. like that. Um, wow. I, that, I don't, I've never known anyone who has ever... No one's ever done cocaine in front of me. They've been watching too many Woody Allen movies yeah. in the 70s. <laughs> do, do you get uncomfortable anyway when someone says, well, everybody does it? I mean, like... Whatever they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's always like... Well, we, I just think it's silly. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, like, there's no way that everyone does it. That's clearly untrue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well let's, no, go, I, let's go back, though, to the whole issue of... My friends don't need mind-altering drugs. Their minds are altering already, you know. Oh, Mary. Oh, Mary. On that happy note, let's go back to the people who do still need mind-altering drugs. Um, by the way, I've been on Percocet because of my oh, arm injury. Yeah. Percocet is my man. Let me tell you. <laughs> anyway, back to back to this. I, I think the question here is that here's a, a a young woman whose boyfriend is like doing something that's illegal, and that she presumably doesn't approve of, and she doesn't know what to say about it. And how how would you all feel, you three students? Would you feel confident in saying to somebody? Um, who you like, you know, you don't have a, a, a really established relationship yet where you'd say, what the hell are you doing, um, Boris? Well, I think there are two people there. First, her friend and then the, the boyfriend. But it seems like it's only date number two. So if, you know, if I went on a date with, with a girl and this is date number two and she pulls out some Coke and does a line of Coke, like, I'm done. It's not my thing. Uh, no date three. <laughs> um, I like that. I mean, but but that it seems like in that sense, it's not that a, a difficult situation to deal with. If this is a long-term relationship, that seems more difficult. Okay, well, let's make it then a long-term relationship. Then what do you do? Yeah. Uh, you hit him upside the head and <laughs> throw the cocaine in the toilet. I think is that's that a good, good policy. I yeah. No, I, I had a friend who OD'd on coke a little while ago, and like it just it, it totally just changes everything once you you realize like how far people's lives can go. Kind of, uh, well, the coke ended up going down the toilet once <laughs> once he OD'd, so he got rid of that, and he's he's been clean for a while now. But it's just it, I just can see in people's lives like how how it can just really do some bad stuff so i i I would sit probably sit down and talk to him and just be like you know hey this is this is a situation that happened to me i don't want you ending up in that place and i I don't know i don't know if i could trust him um moms these kids sound very grown up and mature about this that line there about i don't know if i can trust you that's pretty powerful right there 
the this is Jonah, the mom. It, you know, if somebody thinks that, oh, I'm I'm incapable of being trustworthy because I'm doing something I thought was recreational. That's that makes you think a little bit more about being responsible about it. And then you bring up the uh, uh, maybe the question of how much money is being spent and how you can might be better spent on other things. Like dinner for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mary? Yeah, and well, you said that these people sound mature, but the, you know, I think to get our to the panel st- members are yeah very to get mature. to the stage where they're at, you know, mm-hmm. if you were talking to a bunch of high school kids who We've were trying avoided to be, coke so you far. know, act like they were very, you know, with it, or that's not the expression people use anymore, but you know, they might pretend that they would be f- cool with that. But you get to people these. You know, these are sensible young people. They have well. You are both. You all are three very, very. They don't want to be sensible. They want to be fun. I shouldn't use the word. That's damning (laughs) with faint praise. Oh well. Now, okay. Next email question, and we're going to have some fun ones. This is a. This isn't a fun one, but I'm a guy who can't seem to find the right person. I'm not oh, unattractive or a louse, but for the longest time, That's I That's what you think. <laughs> oh, Laura. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Just kidding. Okay, I've had trouble starting a relationship with anyone. Many of these women become my good friends, but they don't seem interested in starting a physical relationship. My bad luck has left me feeling unattractive and badly about myself. I get frustrated when I hear about my friends falling in and out of relationships relationships. Any ideas on how I can improve my relationship status? What was the name of our guest last week? <laughs> oh. Give that guy a call. No, I, oh, the bad boy. Oh, the, the bad, bad boy. The, the bad boy. Yes, yes, exactly. What do you, I mean, a lot of people are in this situation. They don't send in it. Uh, He's getting friend zoned a lot. Mm. Have you heard about that? No. no. Uh, to be put in uh, I mean, this so is the two man parlance, <laughs> so I don't, I don't quite. I'm probably misrepresenting the slang here. I'll, but, I'll correct you. All if right, you, if thank you, you Boris. Yeah, sure. um, to to be friend zoned is to have that window of opportunity close where a girl who you're trying to pursue will always see you as a friend, and to be like placed in a girl's mind in the category of a friend, not a guy she's interested in having a relationship with. So I've heard, I've heard, I've had guy friends say, "Oh, I keep getting." friend zone um meaning that they're getting sorted into this alternate category of it's true because girls do that girls yeah. will have like guys who they will not have a, you know once you're in there you can't you can't, can't you can't get, you out. can't get out and guys guys don't have that guys kind of like have hole. to like you know well that's because guys want to sleep with everyone that's partially mine no that came out really harsh no. i mean if she's your friend and, and she wants to sleep with you would you say no Wait, are you talking? No, <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. No, exactly. that's what I'm saying. No, 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 no. But no, but that's what I'm saying is that is that a guy would probably sleep with her. Would probably sleep with her. And, yeah, and, gr- and if you're if you're one of your, you know really good guy friends was like, hey Laura, I want to sleep with you. Like you would say, no, you're my friend. Yeah, <laughs> I want to sleep with people I'm trying to have relationships with. <laughs> Who I'm sexually the, attracted. You're to. in the other category. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, and then and then it's and then it's done. Well, okay. it's reminding me of actually, I got invited to a wedding a couple years ago where um, the guy was like, well, you know, could you just be my backup date because um, I'm really trying to have a date that will sleep with me um, at the wedding, but I guess you're you know a close second. <laughs> You let someone sleep with you at a wedding. Well, I didn't. <laughs> Weddings are very romantic. I had no idea. Sexually I'm, charged. I'm, I'm, my question is, how old is this guy? 21? He's been looking for, what, two years? Yes. I mean, he's got a ways to go here before he throws in the towel. Don't yeah, you but if he's me? not picking up anyone on co- at college, I mean, he's got... 
you know, he's got some big issues because it gets worse after you leave college. To so, f- to what does? Oh, no. Hating people. <laughs> I want to put something out there that may be kind of controversial, but I've had a lot of friends who've had a lot of success with online dating. And I have a lot of friends who haven't had success dating here at Stanford. That's right. I have a lot of friends who've put up Craig's per- uh, Craigslist personals and had a lot of success with that. And, these are, success. and these are students? <laughs> no, that was a joke. I wasn't serious about the Craigslist. <laughs> Are your friends students, college They're students. They're students. Um, most of them were, um, well, this past year, they were like seniors because they're kind of on their way out. They're looking for a more mature presence in their life, a, a significant other who was probably a little different stage so that they could kind of uh, provide some stability. And the thing about online dating is that it's upfront that you are interested in dating this person as opposed to this, oh, well, we meet each other and then we'll figure out which ladder you're on. You yeah, know? which track you fall on. God, it's really brutal out there, though, with girls are saying, oh, you're friend listed. I mean, you know, forget it. You guys don't do that? Well, a girl wouldn't say that to a guy ever, but it's just sort of known. Well, it's known. It becomes very apparent. It becomes apparent. Back yeah. in the old days, yes. this is what our function is to bring up here. <laughs> not as old as she hers, but then, we weren't. We were. It wasn't really acceptable to have male friends too much. Mm-hmm. At least where mm-hmm. I was, you either dated a guy or you didn't speak to him. I mean, that was basically. It was very. Now I, I'm sort of envious to use and not to use the word jealous. I'm envious <laughs> of. Of, of the friendships that I see. This is coming from someone around. who lived in a commune. That's right. We weren't friends. No, friendship was not, it had nothing to do with it. Oh. Uh, well, Mary. So, so do you kind time. of describe to the whole, like, when Harry met Sally, like, men and women can't be friends? Oh, we, that we, is such well, a That was much more the premise back in the old, old, old days. How, how, how old, yeah. old are we talking about? We're talking what, about really old. 19 really old. what? Oh, in the 60s 19? and 70s. No. Oh, so, uh, yeah, okay. very old. I totally remember the 60s and 70s, and I, I don't agree at all. You don't agree. But see, huh? I, you I grew friends. up. You had men who were friends? Who were... I, I grew up with all brothers, see, all uh, younger brothers. Yeah. But, I mean, I just got out in the world and said, I like I like guys. And they're they're my friends. Yeah. They're and beyond. I always. Now, no, it, and it you ran, had just sisters. I had sisters, and we I lived in a sorority house, and and we had the we've talked before about we had hours, and we could be with guys after certain hours of the day because of the way that the stuff. So you're, you're nodding, Susan. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, you know I know, I mean? but you know, I had brothers too, though, and yeah. so I feel I'm more like Jonah. You know, I just really liked guys having friends who were who were guys. I didn't have men who were friends until I got to yeah. be quite older. Of course, older, you know. of course, you know, who knows if they wanted to be friends and whether I wanted to be friends, too. I may have wanted to have more romance. You fret, you border, what's that word you used? You do that to all these guys. That friend- word. Friend- yeah. <laughs> you friendlisted all these men all those years ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, that sense. <laughs> oh, Susan, the heartbreaker. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Susan, I, I, I have to ask that. you, though. This is Jonah again. I don't, weren't there people that you kind of looked at as friends guys that were friends and it went a little farther at some point yeah well all you have to do is tweak these relationships sometimes yeah Yeah. often people say he started out as my friend and then it grew to be something else and that often you'll hear that married couples say that no i didn't have it i mean just it didn't happen that i can remember that you know we stayed friends i think the point of romance passed you know where something could have maybe have happened, but it mm. but it didn't. Yeah, and then it takes like a really long time afterwards to get back to a lot of time investment. Yes. Well, I have one last question before the end of the show. My boyfriend frequently passes gas. Oh no! It, it bothers me. <laughs> he says it's perfectly natural thing to do. 
I know everyone has gas, but he seems to have it more than anyone else I know. <laughs> I remember back in, in high school, this was Laura, um, I was asking this girl who had been dating a, a guy for the past two years, and she uh, she's like, I'm in love with him. And I was like, well, what, what does love mean to you? And she was like, well, it means you can fart in front of the other person and not feel embarrassed about it. And maybe he just really loves her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, is, that is a good take on this. Uh, you're in your comfort zone. What do you think, uh, <laughs> Mary? I, I have no comment on this entire subject. Mary, <laughs> Mary looks very I think, stern right now. I don't think girls talk very much about passing gas, no. do they? This is no. not something that no. we... That we, we don't do that. We don't do that. No. <laughs> It's only it's a Period. male thing completely. Well, they certainly act like it's their in, their right to do this. But what what would you say? What would well, if you it make, like everything else we talked about on this show? If it makes you uncomfortable, if you don't like it, say something to them. That is, I, I when saying that, knowing that will make no difference whatsoever. Well, it'd be kind of an embarrassing. Continue to do it. No, it'd anyway. be kind of embarrassing. <laughs> the real problem is she thinks she can make him change. Change. <laughs> <won't>. <laughs> Well, I guess the lesson that we have today is we're not going to change anybody, but we're sure going to have a fun time talking about it. Listen, I want to thank our listeners for the emails. We love hearing from you. And if you have a question or a concern, send us another email at whatwouldyourmothersay.com. Also, let us know if you'd like to be on the show. Panel, it's time to say goodbye. I loved having you on the show. Thanks for coming. Jonah, it was good to see you again. You too. Jonah Hamilton and Mary Morrison, our two moms and our three Stanford students, Laura, Boris, and Lauren. All right. I want to go around the table and get your momisms. Laura? Cover up. Eat your carrots. Don't burn the popcorn. <laughs> I hate to say this after our last topic, but check your gas gauge <laughs> and eat something green. Uh, say please and thank you. Couldn't do better. All right. Well, for the record, the opinions you hear and the ones you've just heard on What Would Your Mother Say do not represent those of KZSU or Stanford University.